Graham, I don't hate Tom Brady. Do you hate Tom Brady? Yeah, I hate Tom Brady. I definitely hate Tom Brady. You got a big dream board with like it's just broken got Tom Brady's head on it and arrows in it. Yeah. yeah. Because you're such a huge Bills fan, when was the last time you were this excited about a Buffalo Bills signal caller? I would say never. Never felt this optimistic at all. The future of the franchise is locked in. Let's talk Bills. I am Graham, and I'm here again with Eric. During the low point in NFL and Bills news, we are going to try to talk about some Bills news and drama from a couple weeks ago, and then play a little bit of a game uh, to keep ourselves engaged in the Buffalo Bills during the offseason here. How you doing, dude? Doing great, Graham. After about 15, what felt like 15 false starts on this podcast, I'm still very, very excited for what we have planned. You know, as you said, <laughs> we are in the doldrums of the NFL offseason, and we still have some drama to talk about with our favorite football team, and we've got a fun activity planned for later. So, you know, can't keep my mood down. I'm good to go. I'm excited to get into the game, um, but I think that our listeners probably do want to hear our opinions on some of the the recent Bills news. The big drama we're referring to is the Stefan Diggs issue when mandatory minicamp started and he wasn't there for the first day. Um, so I think we need to, to rate our concern level here for, you know, how this bodes for the Bills this season. Um, but what was your initial take on that situation? Ooh, initial take. Initial take was actually a lot, I think, more relaxed than actually what I'm feeling at the moment. Um, my initial take was just, oh, that's just, you know, probably Stefan being Stefan. He leaves Minnesota because he basically forced his way out of town. In terms of on the field, the production was there. He was never like a bad citizen or in trouble with the law or anything like that. But he was just a jerk in the locker room, apparently especially with the coaches and they didn't want that and they shipped them out. And it seems like that is kind of playing itself out again here in Buffalo a little bit. Uh, and you said he wasn't there and that's only partially true because what we're hearing now is that Sean McDermott, after saying like, I'm very concerned about Stefan Diggs not being here, he was apparently the one who sent him home. So that scares me a bit hearing that uh, come out just recently in the last couple of days that Sean McDermott was the one who sent Stefan Diggs home. It makes it seem like the issue is bigger than just, you know, Stefan being upset about something and doesn't want to show up for practice. They made it seem like it wasn't that Sean sent him home. It was more that Sean allowed him to not be there that day for some reason. Who's um, they? He was in Buffalo. The they that I'm yeah. referring to. Because... Josh Allen, media portraying the story. Josh Allen in the last couple of days was complaining about the media, making a big deal out of the whole situation. And then in his little blip, he said, yeah, like Sean McDermott asked Diggs to go home. And that's different than saying like, oh, Stefan, you don't have to be here. Just like you can chill at home. And that puts everything into a little more uh perspective when Sean McDermott is standing in front of the media saying that he's very very concerned you know what I mean yeah yeah it's a little concerning um if I had to put my 
a number on it for me. I think it's maybe a six okay. because I just hoped that this wouldn't happen yet, but here we are, but we saw, sort of all saw this coming and it's a little unfair to blame, to, to put everything on digs too. Cause we don't know, you know, we don't know what's going on. He could be frustrated with any number of things that are totally legitimate sure. and he's keeping it all private. So I think you, you'd have to give him credit because if the first thing he did is he came out and he aired all his grievances on Twitter, people would be like, just keep it to yourself and go about your business. And that's kind of what he's doing. So as long as it stays in-house, I think that there's a reason to, to give Diggs credit and say maybe he is right about some things. He's obviously you know, an incredibly hardworking leader and veteran in the locker room. So that deserves to... He deserves a little bit of the benefit of the well, doubt, maybe in some. Ways. I get what you mean, and absolutely, I think maybe I came across as too harsh of Stefan right in the at the outset of my little rant there. I do think that Sean McDermott needs to kind of hold it together, right? Like he doesn't need to be the one going out to the media and saying, "Like I'm very concerned about Stefan Diggs," especially if he's the one who said. Yeah, that was home. the concerning thing yeah. for me was that he was not happy with yeah, what's going on. Yeah, I think so if Sean McDermott on, sometimes just needs to be a little more buttoned up, I think, in terms of, I mean, we love him for that reason, that he's like, he wears his emotions on his sleeves. But sometimes it's just like, dude, chill. Um, but... I mean, I think that's the first example I can think of. Nah, of a situation nah, where he's, he gets he gets hot under the collar about a lot of stuff and he lets you know but when not he's about upset. A specific player. No, certainly not about he, players. He'll get but mad it's about just things, like, but... I, I know. It's just kind of, he could chill a little bit sometimes. With Stefan, though, I'm not going to let him completely off the bus or off the, uh, what is it? Off the hook here because <laughs> he. He was, <laughs> you stay yeah, stay, I'm not going to, you stay on the bus, Stefan. Uh, he was the one who went, yeah, maybe it was on Twitter or whatever, but he was the one who did post something on social media saying like, uh, basically calling out the coaches and saying that people were basically lying to the media. So like, he's not innocent. I actually have that quote if you want it. Yeah. Go ahead and read it for me. He, uh, he said, I just be letting people cap. If them lies help you sleep better, tell them big dog. So that says it all, okay. right? We all get yeah. it. We've got it. It's cool. I like how you read that all. in the same voice that Dennis reads uh, Charlie Talk from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I think that puts the issue to bed right there because, you know, he's, he's just going to be letting people cap and that's how it's going to yeah. be. So we just have to move forward understanding that's how it yep, is. Yep. Uh, but he's at camp now, and Josh says it's not a big deal. And as long as the offense can get their act together and, and come together here during the, the offseason and training camp and all that, uh, there's nothing to be worried about. I just think this puts us on alert. We all were worried about the personality concerns of you know having a prima donna receiver like that in the locker room. It's possible that that is just bubbling under the surface for – you know, any situation where the season starts to tip in the wrong direction, he has a couple bad games, Josh Allen doesn't target him as often as usual, you could have him go off and we're all kind of on alert for that. Well, that's the thing too, is like, what is his deal? Is it, because it can't be the money, really? Like he just signed that huge extension last off season, got big, big money doing that. So it can't be the money just yet. There's no, not been another receiver that's, you know, really reset the market since the whole Tyreek Hill deal uh is it with josh because josh says everything's good you know like he he and stefan 
uh, famously had words on screen in the loss against the Bengals where Stefan was not looking very happy with his quarterback, but Josh says they're all good. Uh, so is it a deal with the coaching staff and is it a problem with the coaching staff like he had in Minnesota where he just decides he's done with this group of people and wants out for that reason? So uh, depending on what it is that's making Stefan Diggs upset, that could also be extremely concerning or like, okay, we'll just get into it. And once the bills are winning, uh, everything's good. You know what I mean? Yep. Hopefully they can just get back to their winning selves and this never has to become an issue, but you know, I'm sure this will come up again. There's no way Stefan Diggs is just going to be quiet throughout a whole season. So, um, keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, other news that we maybe want to talk about, um, with regard to Sean McDermott is the team just extended McDermott and Brandon Bean got their contracts set on the same little timeline um, and they've been extended to what was it 2026 or 27 now I'm forgetting five-year extension wasn't it or wait no sorry yeah you're right uh 2026 I think okay oh so that's not that yeah it would only be four years then right or yeah this year and then up to 2026. So anyway, the team is very committed to those two. Obviously, they've done a tremendous job. There's been a little bit of news about, um, you know, is McDermott on the hot seat because they just can't get past the Chiefs? Um, and they performed so poorly in their in that last playoff loss and in that playoff loss against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game a few years ago. I, I think that was all just people trying to make news out of nothing. Like McDermott's been the second best coach in Buffalo Bills history. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about his position here. And obviously the bills have put pen to paper to prove that. Mm. I don't know. I, I, you know me, I love Sean McDermott. I love Brandon Bean uh, in general, but there are like certain things that do concern me in, in the playoff loss. I guess I would be in the uh, same boat as those fans that you're talking about from the Kansas city loss because 13 seconds stings so hard. Um, and, you know, like they let, or they parted ways really with, uh, uh, Ooh, I just blanked on his name, Leslie Frazier this off season. And that's kind of like, yeah, it's a little bit of a desperation move. It seems to, to switch things up. You see a lot of coaches who have like an expertise on one side of the ball, uh, part ways with that coordinator when things start to go sour. So like, I don't know. Um, I think that the move and the move was to extend them through the 2027 uh, season, like like you said. So I was wrong about that. Uh, I think the move could seem a bit premature based on how this season uh, turns out because I love the brain trust, but the results are the results and it's Super Bowl or bust right now in Buffalo. Oh man, I 100% disagree. When you're putting together a front office and coaching staff, the results are the results and the results are like not controversial at all before these guys no playoffs for 17 years they show up playoffs are a regularity winning division championships been to the afc championship game perennial contender because the season ended in a flaming defeat a couple of times that does not mean you don't keep this train rolling so i think the evidence is 100 percent in favor of keeping these guys on board i know what you mean but i also think of like when John Fox went to Denver, right? He went to Denver when they signed Peyton and he 
brought Denver all the way to the Super Bowl. They got crushed by the Seattle Seahawks. And I think they made it to the playoffs the year after that, but it was kind of a mess, right? Uh, They hired or they fired John Fox because they didn't think that he was going to be the guy to be able to get them over the hump. And they hired Gary Kubiak, who won them a Super Bowl. And I wonder if, not that I believe this myself, but I wonder if there's a belief that maybe Sean McDermott has gotten the bills as far as he possibly can. And that maybe it's going to take somebody else to get them over that hump. I don't know. Well, I think the bills just showed that that is not their belief. You know, there may be fans that think that, but the bills don't believe that because they just extended both of them. But like, look what the Cardinals did, man. The Cardinals signed Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime to identical deals that Sean McDermott and uh, Brandon Bean signed and parted ways with them one season later. You know, like all it takes is one disaster to happen for these contracts to get ripped up because this is just funny money for NFL owners. I don't don't think that that's the case, though, here. The the situation you brought up with uh, Peyton Manning, they bring him in at the end of his career to try to make something happen. That was like an L.A. Rams free agency team let's try to squeeze the last juice we can out of some roster and get everyone here for a season with Peyton Manning. You know, this is a team that's been built from the ground up by these guys with a lot of young talent and beans carefully managed the roster to keep that young talent here. They've got a generational quarterback in Josh Allen. It's all been in house. The, the Cardinals tried it and it was a disaster because their draft picks were nightmares and it was a bad system. So this is a totally different thing from, I think, either of those two situations. I hope so. I don't see either Bean or McDermott going anywhere in the next. I I could even guarantee right now that for the next two seasons, they will both be here. No matter how poorly next season goes, they'll be here again. I agree with you, but I'm just telling you what uh, I think other people could think as well. All right. Well, if you're concerned as a listener of the podcast, let us know. What's your concern, Amir, on the Steph Diggs situation? What's your concern, concern, meter for Sean McDermott's job if this season doesn't go better than the last two, if he continues to get stonewalled in the playoffs? Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So that's basically uh, the only two things that have happened related to the Bills since we last spoke, huh? Yeah, it's not a lot. It's been pretty uh, – I mean – you know, mandatory minicamp. There were some videos and things. Everybody says Trey White's back to form. That's really exciting to hear. Looking like a number one corner again. I did hear the news media point that out. Um, other than that, you know, offseason workouts went well. And um, can't wait to see the team on the field in training camp. Hell yeah. You going to training camp? We're trying to. The tickets this year, they did not just give them away. You had to sign in and you could only get tickets to two separate practices you can't just go to every practice you can only go to two max and the window that we were supposed to sign in to get the tickets we did not get the tickets so um we may be able to get some second hand but right now we're not slated to be able to go to any because there's just so much demand to go to this training camp it's Everybody insane can't just go it's, it's insane like so uh, i don't know if we have told the listeners this yet there will be meat in the seats uh at the buffalo bills london game this upcoming season and i will be there to watch the bills manhandle the jaguars but it was a tough road to get these tickets because there were so many fans 
trying to get online to buy tickets for this that like I was in line and I was the 311,000 person in line. It was insane. So luckily my, my buddy was on there. Thomas, friend of the pod was on there and got some tickets as a group. So we're all going to be there, but um, damn Bill's fandom is crazy. Bill's fever, baby. It's out of control right now, which is great, you know, and it's all in line with, they're building a new stadium too. So you got that excitement coming. It's been great. Um, you know, I'm not one to complain about having fans join Bill's Mafia, but, you know, let's hope everybody's here for the right reasons and not just joining because of their recent <laughs> the success. Right Once you're here, you got to commit to being a Bill's fan for life. You can't just switch over to the next up and coming team in, in three years or so. So, you know, just remember that you're going to join the Bill's Mafia. In it for life. You're is stuck. this the second best time period, Graham, t- uh, in in Bill's history to be a fan? I would agree. I would say definitely. And with the game that we've got here coming up to play, um, you know, that was something that I thought about quite a bit because um, a lot of the all time great Bills players and fan favorites, I think, are currently on the roster. What? So um, wait, what? Yeah. You mean like all-time yeah, Bills when, players you think are currently on the roster right now? I think if you fast forward 15 years from now and you make a list of all-time fan okay. favorite Bills players, a lot of them are on this roster Okay, right so now. you're like projecting further into their career. Like Greg Rousseau, you think is going to maybe one day be like a 100-sack uh, career sacks kind of guy, that kind of thing. Okay, I thought you meant like... I'm not even talking about statistically being, you know, record breakers, but I'm saying, you know... Favorite fan, favorite Bills of oh, all no. time. You got well, Kelly, right? Okay. You got so Sherman. it's a couple things. You got those guys that it's era. Several things here and at I work. And this is an argument we're going to have over this and over as we play this total game. recency bias, number one. I just want you to acknowledge that, that this is absolute recency bias, like textbook recency bias. Uh, the other thing is there's like way more social media now, so maybe fans feel more connected and I, I – could maybe see that or whatever fans feel more connected with these players. And so maybe there is a different concept of what a like fan favorite is and stuff. I thought you meant though, that like projecting, as I said, years from now, uh, these are going to be like all time great bills players, maybe statistically. And I would say even to that, that like, of course, uh, the NFL is totally different than it was years ago. And offensive numbers are just bananas compared to what they were, you know, in the nineties and stuff. We can both agree though, that, at least what you said at first that this, yes, after the Super Bowl era of going to four straight Super Bowls and losing them, uh, this is the second best time to be a Bills fan. It would just be great to get to one Super Bowl and crush it and win it. But um, yeah, our activity today is going to revolve around the opposite of this wonderful golden age of Bills fandom. Uh, and it starts in about the year 2000 and continued up until, I don't know, 2015 2016 and yes we're talking basically about the longest playoff drought in was it professional sports history or just nfl history i do think it was professional Uh, sports history so we're going to be talking about those teams and the forgotten heroes that played on those teams and speaking of fan favorites what we are going to be doing is putting together through a draft format our favorite offensive players 
this episode and hopefully in another episode coming up our favorite defensive players from that era and we are going to like fill out very uh condensed starting lineup of those players we're picking seven seven players, players. uh we're picking a quarterback a running back two receivers a tight end one offensive lineman and then one extra player from anywhere on the offense to round out a seven player all-time favorite i guess not all time 2000s to 2017 favorite roster player now the reason for this window is kind of twofold right that's the drought so it's an odd time to have favorite players but we also grew up during that time so these would be the players we would watch when we were kids and going to games these were kind of the players you got to see that that you were watching while you were becoming a bills fan at least for me obviously you're kind of uh, a, a newer bills uh hardcore fan i would say but these are the, f- the players you would have been familiar with as a kid that you would have been watching with your dad and your brother while they cheered for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, to be honest with you, and I think we've probably gotten into this before, my fan history with the Bills is quite different than yours, right? I think you were, from the outset, just a diehard. And I didn't... Actually, I do have to step uh-oh. in and say that family and friends are, are going to recall. Uh, that is not from the outset. <sighs> Dude, don't um, say this. Don't do this. Stop. I'm going to cut this. <laughs> uh, yes, from the very beginning, Buffalo Bills fan through and through. There is no evidence to the contrary whatsoever. Okay. Yeah, definitely not any evidence in your parents' bathroom, right? Okay. Not at all. No. Anyway, um, yeah, my, my fandom with the Bills is a little bit more complicated than yours just because I also came became a fan of football uh, later on. I would say, I think it was like fourth or fifth grade that I really, it was interesting because media play, long story short, media play was closing. I bought a fantasy football magazine for 20 cents because it was on such a rebate. And I read this fantasy football magazine that was like a season old, so it was no good to anybody. And it had all my favorite players or the guys that became my favorite players. Peyton Manning was talked about a ton, became my favorite player from this fantasy football magazine. And there was like not a single Bills player mentioned, basically. They talked about Willis McGahee uh, and how he could maybe be a great starting fantasy back because he was just being loaded into the ground uh, with his workload and stuff. But that was about it. And I looked at the Bills franchise as being just completely a floundering mess and I didn't want any part of that. And I saw the pain that they caused my brother and my father every single Sunday. And I just didn't want to be, uh, yeah, didn't want to be associated with that. And I didn't become a Bills fan until I started to see them making smart decisions. I think it was probably in our college years when they brought in Doug Marone and, and yeah, brought a local guy in from Syracuse University and built up the roster then that I was like, okay, these Bills seem to be doing something, something right. So yeah, my well, they stunk. They were not doing. They were okay. Right. They were. They bad. were like eight and eight, seven and nine. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, there was some juice there. Is what I'll we say. are going to draft the our favorite and the fan favorite Buffalo Bills from that era. So, do you want to specify the official parameters of this draft? What players will official. be eligible? Uh, what players? Will yeah, be? I guess. As you said, from the years 2000 to 2016, any player that played for the Bills during that time and the players that played for the Bills during that time, if they did continue on past that point, they had to retire in Buffalo. 
So they can could not play for any other team after leaving Buffalo after 2016, 2017. Um, they had to retire as a bill. That's basically it. Yeah. Right. So that would rule out guys like LaShawn McCoy, Jerry Hughes. No one's picking those guys. Players anyway. like that. Who who are players that the fans love? Please They'll be ineligible because they did not retire in Buffalo and existed here in the Bean McDermott era. So uh, we're going to draft our seven. We're going to do a snake draft. Is that right, or are we going to go? We're going to do one? a snake draft, and because I'm such a great guy and such a great friend, really, uh, Graham, you've got a birthday coming up in a couple of days. You can have the first overall pick. It's very generous of you, um, and that's a. You know, that's a big sacrifice because this is the drought era and there are not a lot of great players on this list. Um, So I am going to attack one of the scarcest positions. The position I feel is one of the most difficult to find fan favorites. And I'm going to take my all time favorite Buffalo Bill, Fred Jackson, running back. He's got a great story. Comes out of co-college, plays arena football for two years, NFL Europe for a year. Makes it into the NFL, but he's like 26 years old by then. And then he played eight years with the Bills. Um, he ends up third all-time in rushing yards with over 5,600 5, yards and fifth all-time for the Bills in rushing touchdowns. 108 games in Buffalo. Uh, he was a staple on the team the whole time while we were you know, finishing high school, going through college. Fred Jackson was always on the roster, always trying to replace him with some drafted running back, and he would always kind of float to the surface and be the starter again uh he was a stud and just a great guy buffalo personality still in the area family man he's the he's the man love fred jackson love fred jackson too he is number one on my list but you know what graham you did exactly what i thought you would do and i'm not worried about it at all because i disagree i do not think that is a scarce position i'm gonna come back to it later but i don't need to now because you already picked your running back so ha uh I'm going to go in a different direction and I'm going to pick my really like to me, this guy is right up there with Fred Jackson as being my favorite bill of the drought era because he actually started his career when it wasn't the drought era. And that is Eric molds number 80. I wanted to wear number 80 so badly when I started playing football because of Eric molds. Um, He was just a big receiver with a ton of speed. And I think he was big enough that he could have like, in this day and age, they probably would have tried to play him at tight end because he wasn't that tall, but he was just thick and he could win balls in the air. He could beat you down the field. He didn't make a lot of pro bowls, but he was super productive, almost had 10,000 receiving yards for his career. And I loved him. I loved him. And I was devastated when uh, he left the Bills and signed with the Texans, partially because I hated the Texans because they were in the Colts division, but uh, also just because it was tough to watch my favorite Bill leave like that, you know? Yeah, got to give you props for Molds. Ten years with the Bills, you know, former first-round draft pick who really panned out. But he made three Pro Bowls in Buffalo. That's, that's pretty good when you look at the rest of these guys that are on this list from the Trout era. Not a lot of Pro Bowls to be spread around and he had three which is pretty huge um he actually is second all time in receiving yards for the buffalo bills oh, yeah. and in touchdowns yeah yeah crazy right and he didn't even he wasn't even one of those guys who like was able to string along thousand yard seasons like you see guys like mike evans i think he's 
got seven straight thousand yard seasons. Torrey Holt had a ton of thousand yard seasons in a row. Eric Molds was like every other year a thousand yards. And you know what? I was totally fine with that. It was he was just like productive with really bad quarterback play. And what more can you ask for? You know what I mean? Yep, it's a great, great call. Eric Moulds is a great second pick here. So far, this draft is one that I think everyone can agree with. All right. Well, you can question my strategy here because it is a snake draft. I've got the second pick here. And you know what? I'm going to double uh, dip at the wide receiver position because I love the receiver position so much. And this guy brought a ton of excitement to the team, uh, a ton of personality to the team as well. And I'm going to go with Stevie Johnson. Nice call. Stevie Johnson, former seventh round pick out of Kentucky University. Uh, he, yeah, didn't really have impressive numbers from what I remember coming out of college. And he was kind of like a, like a what do they call it? Like a back end of the roster sort of guy for the first part of or the early years in his career. But he had the strangest route running style that ended up going really well and pairing really well with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's quarterback style. And they made sweet music together. And Stevie Johnson was notoriously one of the most difficult receivers to cover in the league. And he gave elite cornerbacks like uh, Darrell Revis fits every time they faced off with each other. So Stevie Johnson, he is my second overall pick and my second wide receiver pick. Yeah, that that vacates the wide receiver position pretty hard. Um, considering we have to pick two wide receivers, I'm going to be in a tight spot with that one. Um, so coming back around to me, um, I suppose I will attack the quarterback uh. position here. I get two picks, um, and I'm going to take – you know, it's tough because there aren't very many good quarterbacks through the Stroud era. And in my mind, there are sort of maybe like three who you have a shot at, at making the argument could be a favorite player from this era. But there's really only one who stands out above the rest, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Good pick, good pick. So I'm going to take Fitz, who it's tough because he played for nine different teams in his career, but he did play most of his games with Buffalo, which I admit was part of the criteria that I used here in, in picking these players. I have a hard time picking a guy who spent most of his career somewhere else. Um, but Ryan Fitzpatrick did play for four years with the Bills from 2009 through 2012. And in those four years, finished fifth all-time for the Bills in passing yards with 11,654 yards and fourth in passing touchdowns with 80. He had three straight 3,000-yard seasons as well. So in a very difficult era of Bills football, he was not just fun to watch on the field, through tons of picks too but he was fun to watch on the field but he was just like an awesome guy a personality that everybody could get behind a leader that the team could really respect and uh you know a lone bright spot in an era of really brutal quarterback did you know play. he went to harvard i did yeah i've, I've heard no. that before harvard university um, graham that's such a good pick that i'm going to let it slide, even though it clearly breaks our ill-defined, <laughs> admittedly ill-defined uh, limitations of this game. Because he How he definitely played past 2017 with another team, and he did not retire with the Bills. 
Oh, I thought the yeah. rules were if he played for the Bills past 2017, he had to have finished uh, here. Okay, yeah, that that can be the the new rule. <laughs> so yeah, we'll do it that way. <laughs> Doesn't really matter. Okay. It, it, yeah, it's all for fun anyway. But yeah, that's a great pick. And Ryan, I mean, you can't leave Ryan Fitzpatrick off yeah. this list. He is I the know, only quarterback of the drought yeah. that yeah. matters. Well, uh, we'll find well, out. Well, didn't he lead? He also was the one who led the Bills to that uh, really exciting. Was it a five and one start in the Marone yes. era? Ugh. And beat the beat or the wait. Patriots in like week four or was five. Was that the Marone era or the Ga- uh, Gailey era? Era? No, that was Chan Gailey. Oh, okay, I'm a Chan Gailey right. guy. I'm a huge Chan Gailey guy. All right, so Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> nice first quarterback off the board. Who else he got? Oh boy. Um... I think I am going to take another swing at quarterback. The two quarterback strategy. Because I need my flex player, and I don't think it's coming from anywhere else here. Uh, My extra player, and this is not a move so much to to hamstring you as it is just to get a player who I love as a kid. Um, My first Bills jersey ever was Doug Flutie. And it's a tiny little number seven jersey because I was a tiny little kid at the time. But he technically fits into this window because his last season was in 2002. And he only played for the Bills for three years, but he did go to the Pro Bowl. He did lead the Bills to the playoffs the last time the Bills were in the playoffs prior to the drought. And he was crazy fun to watch. Just how mobile he was, the history of him having the you know bomb Hail Mary in college for Boston College and then running all over the field for the Bills. Um, for three seasons, and then having his starting position ripped away from him for the playoffs to give Rob Johnson the start was just so heartbreaking uh, that I think all the every Bills fan fell in love with Doug Flutie, and, and there's a soft spot in everybody's hearts for him. So I'm going to take Doug Flutie with my third pick. All right. That's a good pick. I wasn't going to pick him because I actually – didn't consider him to be eligible. I know he finished his he finished his career with <laughs> two picks. Both he finished his career in two thousand or his Buffalo Bills career at least in the year two thousand after yeah being benched and basically not playing for most of that season. But hey, okay, we'll give it to you. He was technically a Bill in the year two thousand. Yeah. Yep. I do also remember. Yep. You know, I, I think my father would already just pick your roster over mine based on the fact that Flutie is on your sheet because I remember even knowing nothing about football at that time, I remember my dad being like distraught that the Bills had decided to move forward with Rob Johnson instead of Doug Flutie. Rob Johnson, I think he called him a China doll. That was my dad's uh, uh, nickname for Rob Johnson. So. Um, he was not a fan of that whole quarterback uh, catastrophe that happened then. Good pick. It was a disappointing decision that obviously did not result in a Bills victory in that playoff game against the Titans, but uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda. There's no use sitting around crying about it now. The Bills have a much better team, but I think Doug Flutie is an all-time Bills favorite. All right. Well, you claim that your strategy was not to hamstring me, but I feel like that's exactly what you did. So you know what? I'm also going to use my flex position now, and I'm going to pick my third favorite wide receiver of the Bills. You're just going to take all the wide receivers? 
I can't wait to see who I pick for. And wide that is Lee left. Evans. He was a first round pick of the Bills in the year 2004. I believe he was drafted in the same exact draft that they chose JP Lossman. And the idea was like with JP and Lee Evans, we've got like our quarterback wide receiver connection in the future. Lee Evans can learn a few years under, under uh, Eric Mould's wing and uh, yeah, become a dominant force with JP Lawson. Lossman slinging him the ball. That happened for Lee Evans. It did not happen for J.P. Lossman. Lee Evans had a great Buffalo career. Uh, he was a really good deep threat for the Bills, and he kind of, yeah, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He sort of soothed the pain for me of missing Eric Moulds after he left for Houston. So that was a really really big thing that Lee did for me and I will forever be appreciative of that and for that reason he is my third pick and my third wide receiver so Graham have fun with that yeah well um I'd like to add that uh, Lee Evans served me drinks at a, a bar in New York City a few years ago I may have mentioned it before on the episode but we were there to watch the Bills games and they bring in um, sometimes old Bills players and we got to meet him talk to him for a little bit and he was tending the bar during a Bills game. He's a cool dude. Um, I would have loved to have him on this team, but you have just basically <laughs> emptied the cupboard at wide receiver. <laughs> so stay tuned for the final two picks of the yeah, draft, which will be fun wide receivers. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you have told that story before. It's a great story, but both times I've heard it, the first part I've been thinking like, oh my God, is Lee Evans fallen on such hard times? <laughs> From like, you know, yep. NFL superstardom money to yeah, serving drinks at a bar in New York City. I threw a wrinkled up five dollar <laughs> bill at Lee Evans, said, Make me a oh drink my God. and walked out. Oh, that scared me both yep. times I've heard that story. It scared me. Uh so yeah, Lee Evans is my third pick. It is a snake draft, so I also have the fourth pick. And um you've picked quarterbacks. I don't need to worry about that. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with a guy who somehow and possibly is still active in the NFL after playing for terrible, terrible Bills teams in not even the 2010s, Graham, in the 2000s. And this guy was drafted after playing a combination of uh, tight end and offensive line in college. And he was... I don't even actually know if he was drafted. He might have been an undrafted rookie free agent, but the Bills brought him on because he had incredible athleticism, and he really, you know, paid back their uh, uh, trust in him by becoming an elite player on their offensive line. And he did go and leave Buffalo and play really, really well. Some would say like at a Hall of Fame level, well for another team. But to me, he's going to be like always remembered as the first Bills offensive lineman that I really thought was like an interesting, cool story and a guy who like made good on his athletic promise uh, coming into the league. And that is Jason Peters. Oh, yeah. Good call. He is one of the few offensive linemen who you can even consider for this. But that's a that's a great pick. Is he? So where is he now? He was with the Eagles when he was kind of 
right, killing it, right? Right. He played 11, I think 11 seasons with the Eagles. He got brought on, I want to say midway through the season to play for the Bears. And then last year, he played for the Cowboys after they had some injuries along their offensive line. So he's wow. still kicking around right. nine Pro Bowls uh, and like six all all pro team nods later. So nice pick. Um, how many years was he with the Bills versus other teams? He was with the Bills for four years. So it's a little bit like your Ryan Fitzpatrick thing. I think he had some great years with the Bills. I believe he might have made his first Pro Bowl in Buffalo. Um First two, it looks like actually. So yeah, yeah. I think of him as a Philadelphia Eagle, but I do remember him leaving Buffalo and that being a a big deal because he had kind of come into a, an elite uh, role as an offensive lineman with us, and then just kind of walked. I think right. Uh, he got traded, I believe. Really? Yep, he got traded. Uh, the Bills got a first round pick. They used it to select Eric Wood. Oh, yeah. very interesting. Um, because it's my turn it now, is. right? Yep. And I don't need to worry about offensive line because you've already done offensive line and your extra player. So I'm going to save offensive line and my two receivers for later on in the draft. And, um, I guess I'm going to go after the position that we haven't mentioned yet. I'm going to have to take a tight end here. Uh, And in my mind, there are only two tight ends who you can consider for this, really. I guess there's a third who's kind of on the fringe, but I have only two names written down here. And I'm choosing between production and just who was more exciting for me as a fan during the Bills seasons that I was watching um, and becoming obsessed about. So I'm going to have to go with Scott Chandler here. Son of a gun. the man. Five years with the Bills, uh, former fourth round pick, and you know, not for the Bills. Uh, I think the Chargers might have drafted him originally, but then he kind of bounced around practice squads, and the Bills picked him up in 2010. And he led the Bills in receiving in 2013, but he was kind of a consistent receiving option for them for four years there. Ended up playing 65 games for the Bills, over 2,000 receiving yards and 17 touchdowns. So not a lot of great tight ends during this era for the Bills, but Scott Chandler was certainly one of them. Mm. Good pick. Good pick. You know what? I When I made my list originally, I was like, oh, Graham's not going to think of this guy. He's too recent for Graham to think about him connected to the doldrum years. Uh, and that was Charles Clay. But Charles Clay did play under the uh, McBean brain trust for at least one and did season. Not, I don't think he, he retired he did not. Bills either. Nope. So, um, yeah. And he's not the other name on this list, so I, I hope the tight end you pick is the guy that I've got written Ooh, down. Okay. Here. But um, Scott Chandler was very exciting to watch during a, a rough patch for the Bills, obviously. Um, he actually led the charge for the Bills during a game last season, so the team came out of the tunnel. He comes out beforehand, and he gets the crowd pumped up. Where else would you rather be? He does, hey, hey, hey. everybody goes crazy. And then he did his iconic touchdown celebration where um, he was shoveling the snow. Mm. I think it was a Patriots game that he scored a touchdown and it was like a blizzard situation and he was celebrating by pretending that he was shoveling snow and he was doing that to get the crowd pumped up. I loved Scott Chandler and he was a cool story too because he was not a guy who was, you know, a top draft pick. He was kind of just like a grinder who made the roster and made an impact for a few years. All right. Good pick. Uh, I get another pick here and 
So now I have to decide, do I go with my offensive lineman? Doesn't matter at all because you already picked yours. I'm going to do offensive line and save my two receivers for last. because that's all we've got left. Um, I'm going to take, oh, see, this is another tricky <laughs> one because I'm in the same dilemma. Is it an all-time great or a fan favorite? Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Eric Wood, um, the center you mentioned who was the result of the Jason Peters draft pick. He played nine years with the Bills. His whole season or his whole career played with Buffalo. First round pick, started almost the entire time. He went to a Pro Bowl, played 120 games. He's now in the broadcast booth with the Bills. He's just like a Buffalo staple, great community guy and was with the team for nine years during a horrible period of Bills history. I do think his final season is the playoff season. His final Bills game might be the Texans playoff game mm. uh, because it was kind of cool to see him find a little bit of success right at, at the end of his career. But um, great dude, uh, an offensive lineman who you could pull for and gave the team some stability during a time they didn't really have it. So going with Eric Wood here. Good pick. Good pick. I like Eric Wood. All right. So um, I've got my last two picks here. I still need my tight end and I have... You need your running Not, back. Oh, wait. And you need no, your quarterback. No, so yeah, we still got some time, don't we? I finished the draft. Well, you have yeah, three, I got three picks, picks left. I have. All right, so I'll keep wide receiver. Or I'll keep a quarterback. <laughs> See, my mind is still on wide receivers. Um, <laughs> you can't take... I dare you to take I can't, I can't. I wish can't, I could. Who would you even... I wish I could, just to keep you for it, though. Um, I'm going to go with... You know what? Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with Marshawn Lynch as my running back. Ah, oh, nice. I was really interested to see who you'd go yeah. with the running back because there's he's not, to me, he's not a Buffalo. Like when people think of Marshawn Lynch's career, they don't think of well, Buffalo. Well, see, that's the thing. I think you and I have a little bit different criteria here because you're going with like all-time fan favorite bills from this era, and I understand that, but I'm going with the guys that I – remember rooting for the hardest or like being the most interested in and combining that with on-field production and stuff like that. So for me, these are more like guys on my team are the dudes that I remember and, and loved and stuff like that. And Marshawn Lynch, as bad as his career in Buffalo ended, as ugly as it was with some off the field issues and being traded to the Seahawks for peanuts. Uh, I, loved him he was so exciting to watch on the field i i think my one of the yeah my favorite bills game that i've ever been to it feels like was the game that uh they played the Bengals when he was a rookie and he had some like 53 yard run or something like that and later on he you found out that he was mic'd up during the game and he was jawing and just being hilarious the entire game i loved it he also had uh an unforgettable appearance on kenny main from espn's uh little show that he had with them and yeah unforgettable can't remember the show's name but he <laughs> was a huge <laughs> fan of dave and busters and brought kenny main to dave and busters to show him how he got down there it was awesome I love Marshawn Lynch. Yep. I also loved Marshawn Lynch. I just, like I said, my criteria kind of ruled him out for me because he was a Seattle Seahawk for so much longer than he was a Bill. Um, and he didn't want to be here. And, you know, that all, you know, rubs me the wrong way. 
Um, but now that running back is over, I think maybe we can mention a couple running backs who were in the conversation. Did you consider anyone other than Lynch and Freddie? Uh, consider seriously? No. Like, um, I mean, Travis Henry was pretty productive, but he was a bit, uh, problematic i guess off the field he had some issues wills mcgahee in my mind will forever and always be known as a jerk and i couldn't possibly choose him for my team do you know why i think he's a jerk graham yeah because that jerk went out and broke his leg into two pieces <laughs> before getting drafted as a jerk <laughs> no do you really not remember uh, I don't think of him as a good guy. Oh, man. But okay. No, what did he do? Shouts out to our buddy Matt because I will never forget Matt's story. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I know the story our buddy Matt <laughs> was a huge fan of Syracuse football. Syracuse was playing in the Big East, playing against a loaded Miami Hurricane squad, uh, which featured Willis McGahee as their starting running back. Our buddy Matt was very young, very innocent, uh, going around asking. Uh, yeah. Still is. Still is both. <laughs> Uh, incredibly handsome too, uh, and going around asking all the Miami Hurricanes to sign his football. And when it came time for Ken Dorsey, now Bill's offensive coordinator, to pass the football to Willis McGahee to sign, Willis ignored the football, and Matt had to shout down from the stands, Willis, Willis, will you sign my football? And apparently, Willis McGahee turned, looked our friend dead in the face, and said, nah, kid, I don't want to. And uh, yeah, Man. forevermore, he jerk will be move. known as a jerk. Yeah, now that's not a cool move. Um, if you have not seen the video of his knee getting blasted into oblivion during the Oof. national Oof. championship game season before he gets oh drafted, uh, you definitely have to or definitely should not watch it, depending on your level of squeamishness. But um, it's crazy to me that the Bills drafted him after watching that happen. That's just yeah. nuts. Uh, I would have picked Travis Henry here because I loved Travis Henry when I was yeah. a kid. He was such like a little bowling right, ball. Right. He was like 5'8 or something, but like 220, and he would just blast through people. His stiff arm was like unstoppable, and he played for the Bills for four years. Uh, he had some off-the-field issues. I think he had many, many children and uh, eventually ran into trouble with the law. But with the Bills, <laughs> he was a favorite. Just spreading his seed, man. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Travis Henry, though, I also remember him as being a fumbling I issue, like waiting to happen at times. Oh, yeah, really? I, for some reason, I remember that. I don't know if it's true or not or whatever, but um, yeah, I just kind of associate him with fumbleitis. So that was a problem for me to overcome. The only other guy that I like would think could have been chosen here was CJ Spiller, but I didn't really like, nah, I, didn't I didn't like, like CJ Spiller. Exactly. Like he came into Buffalo, I believe as a top 10 pick and was just totally disappointing. He had a couple great seasons. Beat out by Fred. Right. He had a couple great seasons and then just dealt with injuries the whole time. And I remember even after his first really great season, it's like, okay, well, geez, it's about time. Like you were a top 10 pick, you know, this is what I expect out of you. So I don't know. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, you got two more picks. One right now before I finish with receivers. Uh, no, do I? Yeah, yeah. You got it. You still have to pick a tight end and a quarterback. Uh, all right. Okay. So I'll go with. Oh boy, I guess I got to go with quarterback because I'm still trying to figure out who my tight end's going to be. Um, I'm going to go with the first quarterback that I remember bringing a ton of excitement to the Bills. I still have the. Uh, 
little camp program from 2002, I think it was, and uh, them really gassing up the Bills with this guy coming to town, and that's Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe came to Buffalo, traded within the division by the New England Patriots to Buffalo in a cutthroat move by uh, Bill Belichick, and really brought a lot of excitement to the Bills in their post-Flutie, post-Rob Johnson years, and immediately set the tone, uh, passing for a ton of yards in combination with Eric Moulds and Peerless Price. And uh, I wish I hadn't brought up Peerless Price because I think you would have forgotten him if I didn't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, Drew Bledsoe had a couple great seasons in Buffalo, and he was the first guy that I really associated with uh, the Bills at the quarterback position when I became a Bills fan. So he's my guy. It's a good pick. I had three quarterbacks written down, and it was Flutie, Bledsoe, and Fitzpatrick. Mm. So I think we nailed all of the bright spots at the quarterback position during the drought. Um, Back to me, I have to pick two receivers, and um, I would have picked Peerless Price. Uh, I'm going to pick him because he's one of the few receivers left on this list who's even anywhere near the top uh, in terms of receiving stats. And more importantly, he actually played quite a bit for the Bills. So Peerless Price played four seasons with the Bills, then left for a few years, and then came back and finished his career with the Bills, which is a it's a cool move. You know, you, if you're going to be a fan favorite, you got to spend some time with the Bills and to retire in Buffalo. I think that, that gives him some points in my mind. Um, he was with the Bills from 1999 till 2002 and then came back in 2007. So uh, he finished his 11th all-time in receiving for the Bills with 3,772 yards. And I do remember him playing for the team and being like the, the great 1A option uh, to Eric Moulds during a, a tricky period there. And um, I wouldn't have had him on my list unless you took the three who actually <laughs> matter here, but Fearless Price is my first receiver. Yeah. Second receiver is really tricky. Let me say something real uh, quick about Fearless guy- Price, so if you don't mind, yeah? Because Peerless Price, this was like before I understood the business of football. I saw my camp program and read about him leaving town, and I thought, what a trader. So he had one great, great season in 2002 with the Bills, like Pro Bowl-level season, and then he left for Atlanta, as you said. Uh, And I looked at him then as a trader, and it was really hard for me to get that uh, perception of him out of my head. So even when he came back in 2006 and he was kind of like the grizzled veteran leading the young receiving core, I thought of him as a trader. So that was tough for me to overcome in my kind of picking of him. Fair. Um, he was a productive receiver though. Yeah. And you know, he was on the team for totally a number of years Totally But at the time I hated his guts and hoped that he, uh, yeah, had a career ending in injury. Oh, Terrible thing to, hey, to hope for a player Eric. that's not named Harvest. Tom Brady. Um, I have to pick another receiver, and in my mind, there are two guys to choose from here. So I'm going to name the guy I'm not picking first. Oof. I think a lot of people would want you to pick Josh Reed just because he was with the Bills his entire career. He was a, a highly drafted player who played for the Bills Second the whole round time. pick, I right? Second yeah. round pick. Yeah. But I didn't like Josh Reed the whole time he was in Buffalo. He was the number two receiver the whole time. I felt like he was constantly dropping the ball, and he was just getting in the way of whether it was molds or um, 
I think later on, even Lee Evans ended up playing with him. He was just the number two receiver the whole time. And he was never as good as that other guy. And I just was constantly like, why are you throwing to Josh Reed? We all know Josh Reed is no good. So I'm not picking Josh Reed because I didn't like him as a player personally. But when you go back and you look at his numbers, he did play for his entire career in Buffalo from 2002 to 2009, put up a lot of receiving yards, you know, fairly productive. I'm going to go with a guy who I actually enjoyed watching, who was not nearly as productive, and most people probably wouldn't put him on this list. But I'm going to take Roscoe Parrish, who played with the Bills from 2005 to 2011. Uh, He did end up finishing um, his career not in Buffalo, unfortunately, in 2012. He played for the Tampa Bay Bucks. But otherwise, whole career with the Bills. Um, He was used a lot as a return man. He was a speedy, very lean, you know, the type of guy who if he got hit hard, he was probably not going to get up. But he was a lot of fun to watch. And um, he was typically like a two or a three receiver on all these Bills rosters and just constantly hanging around. So I remember him being a, a major factor on a lot of these teams. Yeah. Yeah. Good pick. Good pick. Uh, I like Roscoe Parrish a lot. I remember him a lot more as a returner than I do as a receiver. Uh, but even Roscoe Parrish kind of like is representative of how dumb the Bills front office was of that era because this is a dude who's tiny. He came out of the U weighing 170 pounds at 5'9", and he wasn't looked at as like being an extremely great uh, receiving threat or whatever, you know, like coming out of college, he didn't have a whole ton of production at receiver, but the bills brass at the time spent a second round pick to get him. And then they basically got a pretty solid returner out of that. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not trying to poo poo your decision here, but, uh, <laughs> Roscoe Parrish, man, it's, it's representative of a dark time in bills history as all of these guys are and in some way the whole time. So you you had to have players who were you found fun to watch for one reason or another, and he was that's fun true. to watch. That's very true. He was an electric. Returner, I could not agree with you. What else going on? I could fun, not so. agree with you more, though, in terms of Josh Reed. Like he played for the Bills a ton. He wasn't that productive. I think he had like three thousand yards receiving over the course of his entire career, which is like seven or eight years in Buffalo. So he wasn't extremely productive. But uh, I just hated watching him he seemed like he was slow he seemed like he couldn't catch the ball as you said and i could not believe when i did my half-ass internet research on this uh that he was the bolitnikoff award winner at lsu in his senior year he had 1700 receiving yards in the year 2001 yeah wow absolutely bananas considering he never never did anything at the nfl level so wow yeah okay all right, you got one pick left, and it better be a tight end. I do have one pick left. And, you know, I thought of some other guys, but I'd really be lying to myself because, like, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. I remember him just by name only, <laughs> Jay Riemersma. R- R- yeah? <laughs> no, it's Riemersma. Same, same thing. Uh yeah, Jay Remersma. Don't remember a single thing about him besides just reading like one small blip. Mark Campbell, I remember him being in that program and being spoken about and gassed up uh, with the Drew Bledsoe Bills, but he didn't do anything for me. The the tight end that I really remember, and not so much for his on-field production uh, as it was for an amazing appearance in the Bills' uh, 12 Days of Christmas song at the time, was one 
Robert Royal, aka, according to my brother, oh. Dropsy McNo Drag Feet. So that was what he knew Robert <laughs> Royal as. And for that reason alone, I'm going to put him on my team because I always laugh when I think of that clever nickname my brother gave this guy. Well, for all you at home who had Robert Royal on your board, you can cross him off yeah. the list. Boy, I had Jay Reamer smile. You got to mention nah, Jay Reamer. I, I, I have no connection to him. I have no connection to him. Pick. I mean, I'm, we just you have to mention him. Six years with the He's Bills, been 90 games, over 2,000 yards, receiving yards, 20 touchdowns. He is the clear number two choice here. Nah. Not Dropsy McNodrag nah. beat Robert Royal. He does not belong. But we'll let the fans, we'll let the listeners, the loyal listeners of this podcast, go ahead and decide whose team Don't pander to they them. like more. Should we do a quick recap of the two yeah. rosters? I'll, I'll list mine. You go ahead sure, and list yours. go for it. All-time Bills running back Fred Jackson. We got two all-time hey, great quarterbacks. Hey, don't sell this. Just, just read the names. Don't Doug try to Flutie. sell this. Come on. Scott Chandler at tight end. Uh, Eric Wood, offensive lineman. And Peerless Price and Roscoe Parrish at wide receiver. All right. I'm giving the people straight facts. At quarterback, I have Drew Bledsoe. At running back, I have Marshawn Lynch, beast mode. Uh, at wide receiver, I have Eric Mould, Stevie Johnson, and Lee Evans, the best three of that era. Uh, I have Robert Royal at tight end, and I've got one Jason Peters, future Hall of Famer, at offensive line. Nice. That was fun. I can't wait to find out which team is the consensus better team. I'm impartial to mine, sure, of course. Sure, but sure, you've got, sure. you know, some bright you know spots, what? I suppose. And then we'll we'll follow this up with a defensive episode. I have a feeling well. the fans are going to make the right pick, but even if by somehow they make a mistake and choose yours, I'm happy with my team because it's the team that meant the most to me. These players meant the most to me during that time. And so guys like Jay Riamamersma, they mean nothing to me because they meant nothing to me. I appreciate you not picking a guy whose name you can't pronounce. That would not have done the exercise. Hey, man, no cap. I don't put on fronts here. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a Stefan Diggs quote? Uh, Yeah, I guess it was. Nice. All right. Well, I think that should wrap it up. We'll try to fit in some time to do another episode before training camp, and we can repeat this exercise for the defense. All right. Go Bills. Go Bills. Mm -hmm.